This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Dara here. All right. This is an all-star power hour. I have one of my very best friends in the world in the studio today. That would be Pilar Gerasimo. We have been having a conversation about how to be healthy mentally, physically, mentally in this crazy messed up world of ours for going on 20 years we met right out of college at like a happy hour and we have been buddies and she has a book coming out in the fall it is called healthy deviant you know pilar she started experience life magazine she was a was a big part of the vision of health and wellness at the lifetime fitness chain um I write for that magazine. It is one of my great joys. I've been doing that since I was a baby puppy child uh, because of Pilar. And I'm so excited about her book. I'm excited about her website, HealthyDeviant.com. I really will have Pilar on as much as we can between now and the book launch because I just am completely uh, aligned. I hate that word. But, you know, I just totally believe in her mission of like we have to short circuit this unhealthy system that we are all in. Too many people have diabetes, have heart disease, are not able to do the things that they want to in life. Too many people are bullied into endless work days, are bullied into not sleeping at night. I mean, just we have a messed up system. And so you know, Pilar is going to hopefully get us out the out of the door of that and into a brand new world where we can be healthy. So healthydeviant.com, thehealthydeviant.com is her website. She has this great quiz. I took it yesterday. I did really well. Just because I'm a pain, I don't I, – I've started making myself uh, sleep. Like I started putting my sleep – as on the priority list about a year ago. So I think that got me a bunch of points. Anyway, you can go on to thehealthydeviant.com. Then you can text us 81807 and let me know what your Healthy Deviant score is. I'm not going to brag. I'm not going to tell you mine. All my crazy sleeping I'm getting done lately. All right. So also we will talk about St. Patrick's Day because I know you want to talk about it. You will tell me what you're cooking because how am I supposed to get through an altogether too cold Saturday without knowing what you're up to? Also, I got a little sidecar conversation I want. Who has started seeds? I have this funny little part of my kitchen with this light. And just the other day, I was feeling so like, I can't, I can't anymore. So I put some sunflower seeds and some arugula seeds in an old egg carton, put them under the light. My friends, I have some sunflower sprouts. I know a bunch of you are way more advanced. I want to hear about, you got your heirloom tomatoes sprouting? Are you getting ready for cold frame spinach planting? So all of that, 81807, I have a lot of questions. A lot of questions for all of us. All right. So, and we'll get to St. Patrick's Day later in the show if you want to talk about that. 81807 as well. All right. So, Pilar, 
you and I have been friends, like legitimate friends, off air friends, not that, like real friends for a very long time. And I'm so excited about Healthy Deviants. I'm excited about you bringing this idea into the world. So welcome to the show and explain to the people what is what is a healthy deviant? Oh, my gosh. First of all, thank you so much for that amazing invite. I, I love being introduced by you because I know how much you know me after all these years. <laughs> well, I think it was on this show that I actually learned how to pronounce your last name. I've apparently <laughs> been saying it wrong for 20 years. So Nothing says friend like a correct pronunciation. <laughs> um, so uh, thank you. And healthy deviance is really – I describe it as the art of being a healthy person in an unhealthy world. But for context, I think it's important to note that the word deviant – Many people read with a very negative connotation because we've been educated to think of deviance as something that is bad, something that you do that is unacceptable, unconventional in a way that goes against all of the healthy and moral and ethical accepted standards of our society. But the truth is deviance is really just a, a, a not adhering to social norms and conventions. And, yeah, sometimes that cannot be such a great thing. There's a reason we have social norms and conventions. But in the society that we are living in now, it is actually less conventional to be a healthy person than to be an unhealthy person. There are literally more unhealthy, unhappy people living today in our society, unfortunately, increasingly children's and adults, but I'm referencing mostly the U.S. adult population. And you have crazy stats on that. It's not like 51% of people are unhealthy. It's like once you get in the people that are obese, the people are on daily medication, this and the other thing, what are you up to? Yeah. The, the stunning, the most stunning statistic in my mind is actually once you get past the 50% that are chronically ill, the 66 to 70% overweight or obese or on these prescription drugs, you get to 80% that are emotionally or mentally not thriving. And then 97.3% of U.S. adults are not even following the four most essential basic healthy habits. All right. So- Say that again because that's just shocking. Yeah. 97%? Yeah, nine, oh, more than 97%. I think it's 97.3. Um, this is according to statistics that were generated by the Mayo Clinic Proceedings, which is a, a medical journal based on research that you know looked at how many U.S. adults are performing basic healthy behaviors. Now, it's interesting. What they counted in the four that they did count were maintaining a reasonably healthy diet, but I always point out their standard for that diet is the USDA nutritional guidelines, which are really notoriously poor. They're not a whole food-based diet. They're very calorie and, you know, based on macronutrients and very annoying things that most people don't actually carry out in their daily life in terms of standards. A lot of processed foods still fit into that equation. They also counted moving your body, which is super important, but they had a relatively low standard for that too, like 30 minutes a day, five days a week, just moderate exercise, moving in space. The third one was not smoking, which matters a lot, obviously, in terms of your health. The fourth one, interestingly, was maintaining a healthy body composition, though you're lean to fat ratio. And that could be said to be more an outcome of other behaviors in my mind than it is a habit or a behavior in and of itself. But that's what they did count. What they did not count, notably, are three other things that are now seen as being at least as important or potentially more important than the things that they did count. And you referenced one of them, Dara, which is sleep, getting enough high quality sleep. Most people in this culture do not. They also did not count managing stress, which we know is a huge inflammatory factor that can lead to chronic diseases and inflammation throughout the body. The other thing that they didn't count was maintaining healthy social 
um, connections and supportive social structures in our lives. That turns out to be one of the most important things, not just for health, but also for longevity, as our friend Dan Butner pointed out in Blue Zones, like having a social community, not just online, but in person. So they didn't count any of those things. And I'm thinking, wow, if 97.5% of U.S. adults aren't doing the four things that they did count, how many people are doing those four plus the other three? And I can't believe it's more than a single, well, we're down to single digit percentage of the U.S. population anyway. I'm guessing it can't be more than one, maybe one and a half percent, something like that. So you really are a deviant if you fit into that category of someone who is healthy and happy and on track to stay that way. You are the exception to the rule. And I argue you're basically an endangered species. Yeah, I know almost no one who sleeps and also eats whole foods. <laughs> it's like if you just put those two things together and then if you add the third one of just you know, getting some moderate exercise. I don't care if it's walking the dog or, you know, just something you do to for, to enjoy your life. Um, you know, the number of people that I personally know, and I live in a world that you think is this uh, land of, you know, hedonism where all we care about <laughs> is fine wines and quality of life. Like, like everybody is just so harassed 24 hours a day trying to – uh, keep up with the Joneses, get enough caffeine in their body so they can produce enough uh, content or uh, <laughs> money for somebody. I mean, it's just uh, it's just kind of a bonkers situation. Yeah, and because it's become the normal thing, everyone just kind of goes along with it. And it's really hard to be the person who raises your hand and says, I'm not doing this anymore. So it's really disrupting a whole social structure and a big set of expectations that go well beyond diet and exercise. Yeah, so that's a big – I mean, so, you know, it's it's no fun to take on small challenges, right? I mean, I – or, you know, I'm not wired that way. I find if I reorganize the closet, I just swoon with boredom. I'm like, oh, God, like what a day. So – but a really big challenge, like just upending American culture and getting everybody <laughs> on, that's kind of a big, big – that's a big lift, sweetie pie. <laughs> it is. It is. And that's one of the reasons I wrote the book is I really I, – I, after 15 years of editing Experience Life magazine, and we covered everything, nutrition and exercise, social stuff, I really thought it's time for me to put all of this together in one place and address the really big barriers to health and well-being, not just the little titsy-bitsy ones. So in this book, I'm really talking about from the biggest picture of evolutionary mismatch, the fact that our genes no longer match the world we're living in, which we can talk about if you want, all the way down to the daily habits and daily rituals. I call them renegade rituals and nonconformist competencies that it requires to build over time the awareness and skills that allow you to navigate today's culture. All right. So I want to know, what are you – do you get pushback for healthy behaviors? Your friends look at you funny if you try to eat a vegetable. Do your kids get on your case if you try to get sleep yourself as opposed to just also getting them some sleep? 81807, tell me about the your personal journey to try to do something good for yourself and the pushback that you get. 81807. All right. So I should mention Pilar is going to be at the University of Minnesota Center for Spirituality and Healing uh, giving a, a talk on Thursday, March 28th. So that is just coming up right right away. All right. So if people are listening to this and they want to make, you know, start making some changes, where's the where's the place to start? 
Well, I in talking about the, the what I call the nonconformist competencies, I gave this a lot of thought, and I, I looked at all of the things that I had heard from 15 years' worth of people writing into the magazine, what I'd observed in my own life um, as the biggest interventions, the most significant interventions that you can make that actually make a difference. And interestingly, it never, ever came down to diet or exercise, which is what everyone's told to do. For me, the first nonconformist competency was amplified awareness. And by that, I mean not just mindfulness or keeping your eyes open, but actually really beginning to track what's happening inside of you and outside of you that influences your daily choices. Like I'm guessing you've noticed when you get home from a really stressful day of work, your your tendency to eat crazy things and to drink crazy things tends to be much greater. And there are a lot of really good biochemical reasons for that, cortisol and adrenaline and insulin and neurosynaptic reasons. But even leaving all the science alone, we all know that. How can we begin to to notice the patterns that are triggering to us that set us up for crazy choices? Most people I know want to eat more vegetables. They want to eat less sugar. They want to get more sleep. But they're stuck in these patterns that are unconscious patterns where they don't notice the things that lead up to them getting into trouble. And they also don't notice the environments that tend to set them up for the most trouble. So amplified awareness is beginning to notice. And I give some suggestions on how to do that within the renegade rituals. The second nonconformist competency I call preemptive repair. And that means getting ahead of the damage that is done to you by virtue of living in this crazy culture. That's really important because if you wait until you're tired and exhausted and reactive and inflamed, you are at an incredible disadvantage to make any kind of healthy choices. You won't be able to make any choice at all. You'll just do the automatic default thing, which is always in an unhealthy culture, an unhealthy default. It's an automatic choice. The third nonconformist competency is about uh, continuous growth and learning. And that's really accepting that you need a lot of healthy person skills to do this. It doesn't, you cannot learn them all overnight. And it is challenging, but you have to keep a beginner's mind about it and what Carolyn Dweck calls you know, a growth mindset. So at the daily level, what does this mean? To me, it means getting up and having a morning practice where before I turn on my cell phone and I let all of the media. I'm so bad at that. I know. I've been trying for, oh, six months to not. And I, I just like, I can't. I have this hypervigilance. Yes. I want to know if we're at war. Yes. I want to know what's going on. And then 20 minutes pass. And yeah. I'm just, I, I like, I have a problem. I, I cannot get out in. of it. Like I've so, I've been trying for so long. All right. We got a text. Uh, first one. I'm excited about this. We need to take a little break here. I interrupted you. You were about to hit your fourth of the. I'll come back with that. We'll come back with that. Okay. So we're going to take a little break here. We're going to come back. Are what is your what are you finding at home? Are you trying to eat better? And your 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 kids are like, no, we can't eat better. That would be terrible. You're terrible. Uh, is that what you're getting at home? Text me eight one eight zero seven. Dara here. All right, we're talking with Pilar Jarosimo. She has this new whole thing happening. It's called the Healthy Deviant and thehealthydeviant.com. You gotta hop online and check it out. It is. I think we really all, all of us need to start thinking about all of the ways that we're unhealthy on a basis and a year to year, you know, it's not doing us any favors. All right. I got my first text, 81807, about ways that you're trying to be healthy and getting pushback in your world. Someone wrote, sabotages at home, husband, willpower. He does not get it. Willpower. That's, I mean, there's just so much there. That's a, 
That's a, a woman's road, right? The somehow w- women are in charge of all health and nutrition for the whole household. You're supposed to do all like, you know, that work for two people. People don't appreciate it, perhaps. You know, so that's just set up as a actually, why did I say two people? However many people are in the house, women are supposed to somehow be in charge of the health, wellness, nutrition and sleep of all of them. And then some people don't like it. Mm-hmm. Maybe they don't like getting bossed around. So, all right. So all of that. And then that that willpower thing. Let's talk about yeah. willpower. Wow. Well, first of all, there's so much to unpack in that one question. I think the first thing I would say is, you know, environments drive our behavior. How Where we live, with whom we hang out, what's going on in the built environment, the city environments, all of these things impact our behavior in ways that many people underestimate. And so who you're living with and working with and playing with, their healthier or lack thereof healthy behaviors have a huge influence. So how it makes it a lot easier if you're living with people and working with people and playing with people that already do healthy things. And if you're a healthy person, a healthy deviant, trying to change the, the milieu, the culture that you're in, it's super hard. It takes extra energy and it takes what we call willpower. I love to talk about this. I often say what looks like a willpower problem is often a chronic depletion and distraction problem. We get so overwhelmed and exhausted by our daily lives. There's this thing of psychological um, phenomena, a concept called ego depletion. And it's not ego like, oh, you've got a big head. It's ego, the idea that Freud's idea of the rational mind that helps us make rational, thoughtful decisions, that part of ourselves, that personality and ability gets depleted as we go through our day, making difficult decisions or having a lot of distractions or doing anything that takes focus and energy. So most of us, by the time we start out in the morning and get going, it's only like you pick up your phone, you said first thing, the world comes at you and you've got war and distress and politics and misery and who likes you and who doesn't like you and whose body is better than your body. And pretty soon you're just like, okay, I got up with a little hope and now it's depleted. And I thought I was going to have a really healthy day, but I'm starting to already feel tired and exhausted. Now, this gets worse as we go through the day. And when we come back and talk a little bit more about some of the things you can do to intervene, we'll talk about some magical renegade ritual that you can do. But most of the time, by the time we get to the middle of the day, we're already depleted to the point our so-called willpower is suffering. I don't really like to think of it anymore as willpower. I think of it as a mark of our vitality. And the more depleted we get, the less vitality we have, the less mojo we bring to any decision. So when you think about this in combination with other people, think about at work, you're standing around or working with all these other people who are just as depleted as you are. And there are donuts in the break room and jelly beans at the front desk and triple caffeinated coffee in the coffee machine. How is it you're supposed to navigate that and make healthy choices when all of those things are set up for you that way? Then you get even more depleted by the end of the day. You go home to your loved ones, all of you on your last frayed nerve with no so-called willpower left. What is there left to do but eat a lot of Get a bucket of chicken. Yeah, and have three (laughs) drinks and fall asleep in front of the TV watching Game of Thrones. I mean, that's kind of – but then we're really hard on ourselves and each other, and we do tend to want to make it someone else's problem. I just need a program or I need you to do this so that I can do this. It's your fault or it's my fault. We all love blaming ourselves. Yeah, but- that's what I I know a ton of people that do that. I one of this is one of those things where you introduced me to this like a very long time ago and then I just made it part of my life and it is the easiest fix. It seems kind of stupid, but it 
made such a difference in my world, which is I just keep these like healthy snacks in a little pouch in my car. So I like these kind bars that are just almonds and dark chocolate and salt, and they just stay in the pouch of my car. And when I reach my car at the end of the day and I haven't eaten anything, I'm losing my mind, I have one of these little kind bars that I totally like, and it takes the edge off my hunger. i got a bunch of fiber. It is okay. It has, like, it sounds dumb. It has changed everything. Like, the number of times that I drop the kids off from school and then one thing happens and another thing happens and another thing happens and another thing, and then it's lunchtime and I'm getting back in my car and I am cross-eyed crazy And then I get one of these dumb things out of the trunk. And it is not the best thing in the world, but it is better than the, you know, just getting 42 biscuits from the drive-thru. It's so so great that you, I'm so happy to hear that that made a difference. But I will also say there is a lot of science behind why that works. And, And some of it is literally like blood sugar, simple stuff. You know, when you have low blood sugar, you will have depleted willpower. When you have a healthy uh, you know, level of blood uh, sugar and insulin in your system, you're like a more sane person. And what you're getting at actually is a form of what I call preemptive repair, that second nonconformist competency. Getting ahead of depletion, like blood sugar depletion, before you get too hungry, eating, before you get too exhausted, resting, before you get too stressed out, finding a way to decompress. Those are all really good strategies. And the one you just mentioned of having kind of an emergency stash of some reasonably healthy whole food-based food that you can keep in your car or your desk drawer or your purse or backpack or whatever, that is a really simple intervention, but it can save you just worlds of hurt later. Because otherwise, if you don't have that, what happens? You either on the way home or like, well, there's a drive-through. I can just swing through there. Or you go hungry. And then when you get home, you eat everything in front of you before you have a chance to even taste it. Or you don't eat enough at all. And then you wake up in the middle of the night with some imbalanced blood sugar and worrying and freaking out because you don't have what you need in your system and your body thinks you're starving. That happens too. And then people think that they've got all kinds of mental and emotional problems when they have a biochemical problem. And then you go to that thing where you're telling yourself, like, I'm so terrible. I don't do the right things. Yeah. Gwyneth Paltrow doesn't live like this. Yeah. She has willpower and that's what, you know. That's it. I, I often There's a whole chapter in the book called The Misunderstood Problem where I really redefine what, I, what we think is the problem and what I see is actually the problem. And again, I base this on my own experience and friends like yours, but getting to know both the unhealthy and the healthy people in the culture that I've seen in 15 years of journalism, there are some very clear delineating factors that characteristics, healthy people know these things, healthy people, unhealthy people don't, but it's like they don't know them yet. And I really think anybody can learn these skills. They're not, most of them, that complicated. You don't need to be an athlete. You don't need to be a super genius nutritional scientist. You just need to begin noticing what works and what doesn't. And a lot of the advice in this book is really common sense, simple interventions like starting out the morning with the morning practice, having these breaks throughout the day where you check in with yourself and get some snacks and like a little daylight or fresh air or switch gears so that your body mind can rest a little. You know, it's interesting. The second um, renegade ritual I suggest is called an ultradian rhythm break, like ultra 
and then the rest of it's like circadian, ultradian. And they're really these interesting rhythms that happen several times throughout the day, just like a circadian rhythms happens every 24 hours. But no one ever teaches us that we have these other cycles, 90 to 120 minute cycles where we have our energy peak and then we start building up all the byproducts of that productivity and we become depleted and fatigued and stressed. And then we become very vulnerable. Our body wants to rest and to nourish and to rebalance and repair. And if it does that, comes right back up for another 90 minutes or so of really high productivity. But if you ignore that instinct to take a break or to re-nourish, you just keep going downhill. I mean, you'll come back up briefly, but not as high as you were before, and you get diminishing returns throughout the day. Again, by the time you go home at the end of the day, you're a mess. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's funny because it's like, none of this stuff is ever – that new, I find myself with my, you know, we're in a big transition year in my household. My kids now have phones because it's like one of those cascading unintended effects. The kid is taking a math class at the U. The U is always under construction. I don't know how to find him. Now he's got a phone. Now he's got a phone. You know, so mm-hmm. uh, that thing. And so I find myself intervening with my 13-year-old all the time. And I'm just like, mind, body, spirit. We've done things for your mind. What have you done today for your body? What have you done for your spirit? And it's like, I don't even know the origins of that. That's probably Plato. Like, that's probably, (laughs) you know, Socrates and, like, guys in togas. Like, I don't, you know, mind, body, spirit is not a revolutionary idea, but it is revolutionary when you've got to try to get it into a world that's all, you know, productivity screens and uh, misery. Yes. (laughs) Well, it's funny you should say that. You know, one of the things I also do in the book is talk about the mindsets of our unhealthy default reality. What I call the unhealthy default reality is just the situation we're living in now. Um, Everything that is healthy is difficult and everything that's unhealthy is automatic and easy and it's a default. But some of the attitudes that we have about new is better, for example. Oh, that is so American. That That is the the American problem, really, I think, is just that idea that that always – I was (laughs) doing a piece for the magazine and the – the excitement that people had about powdered gravy in the 1960s, oh like, like finally we're liberated. It's like, no, finally we've had the we found the worst flavors in the world and now we're going to be stuck with them forever. Yeah, it's like an obsession that we have, though, that it's always about improvement, something new, something. And I, I actually had this challenge even in, in I had was working on this book for five years. And when I actually started going out and looking for agents and publishers, everyone asked me the same question. Is there a healthy deviant diet? Is there a healthy deviant workout? That's what they wanted because that's what's expected. And the next new diet, the next new workout, we've been programmed and brainwashed into thinking that the next diet or the next workout will be the thing, the shake, the detox program, the thing, you know, that's being promoted on TV as an infomercial. And we keep getting suckered into these same pointless interventions and solutions that not only don't work, but they're very expensive and they demand a lot from us, typically either in money or time or energy. And then we get disappointed and we think, surely again, something must be wrong with us, that this thing that evidently, you know, everyone says is working for them, is it working? Hard to say. People report, you know, in the social proof of the website, five stars. That's amazing. It changed my life. But when I really go back and I look, who is successful at making and maintaining healthy changes that really seem to make a difference in their lives? They aren't those things. It's never the one diet or the one workout or the one product. It's learning how to change your life and your cycles of energy and the food that you manage to keep around you and in you and on you (laughs) and various times of your day 
that really make the difference. And many of the skills, like I said, aren't diet and exercise at all. They're how to manage stress and relationships and your money and time and things that we don't talk about in the context of health. No, we really don't. You never, <laughs> you know, you. I would love to see a, you know, marital counseling focus. Like, are we, you know, who's getting sleep? Like, how, you know, how can you do anything? That's what fixes up your whole brain. All right. I got a nice handwritten letter you can help me with here. From Carol. Uh, And Carol is wondering about low sugar. She's trying to cut back on quote unquote sweets, but Mm. can't give them up. And what, you know, baked goods, Mm -hmm. not, she she wants bakery treats because, you know, you grow up with bakery treats. They're wonderful. What can you do that's kind of low? Low sugar. Aha. This is a very, very good question. And it's kind of a trick question. So, again, we kind of have gotten the message that we should be eating, quote, unquote, less sugar. And in our minds, we think that that means less candy, um, less cookies. But what about cookies that don't have sugar? What about cookies with Splenda or cookies with an artificial sweetener? Or what about bread that doesn't have sugar in it at all? Oh, and she says... I can't take fake sugars good. to give her migraines. Well, that's, so good, that's good. because That's yeah, just as well because the fake sugars don't do anybody any favors. But this issue about what I crave are these baked goods still and pastries and things. Even if I can't have sugar, can I have uh, bread, for example? The trick is things that are made, things that are made with flours and starches are these pulverized grains that are turned into powders and then made into pastes or doughs and then baked. When you put them in your body, what happens to those little particles of flour or starch is they immediately turn into sugar in your body. And that can make you have the same blood sugar spike and crash that regular sugar does. So think of flour as being the equivalent of sugar. Bagels are basically sugar. If you put a couple of slices of whole grain, so-called whole grain bread in, it's not whole grain. It's been crushed into a flour. That will actually have a very significant effect on your blood sugar, which will lead you to crave, guess what? Sweets, more sugar, just the way the body works. So what I recommend to people who are trying to cut back on sweets and sugars, as well as flours and starches, is to include more healthy proteins and healthy fats in your diet and fiber. This seems kind of strange because you're like, well, that's not what I'm craving. I get it. Trust me on this. If you think about preemptive repair, get ahead of the cravings, start the day with egg, sausage, greens, any, you could have a sweet potato, something that is like yummy. Even if you're going to do like eggs and bacon and hash browns, it would be better than having a bagel by itself or bagel with fat-free spread or something. If you are going to eat something that has flour in it, please eat it with protein and fat and, fat and fiber because it will slow down the absorption of all that blood sugar, of that sugar into your bloodstream. You won't have the same spike and crash. But really, nourishing your body so it gets what it actually wants, nourishing whole healthy food of any kind that appeals to you, but enough fat, enough protein, you will find your sugar cravings depleting, uh, descending, reducing, going away. And there's a great book by a Harvard researcher, MD, PhD, amazing guy, David Ludwig, that I always recommend. I was thinking about David Ludwig. We had him on the show once, and he has the most sensible advice. So smart. And then on top of it, his big takeaway is – 
go for a 20 minute walk after dinner. Like it that's, helps. you know, yeah, and that's like, great. And it's such an easy thing to do and such a hard thing to do, especially yeah. like here in the land of constant ice. You get a head injury here <laughs> if you do that. <laughs> but well, we're going into the right season for it. But uh, David Ludwig's book, by the way, is called Always Hungry. And he has another book out now that's like the oh, it's like always delicious or something that's like a cookbook oh, does he? on how to make really delicious food. But he uses this exact strategy of getting people enough of the good stuff that it radically depletes that feeling of insanity where you're just going to eat everything that's in front of you. That's a real phenomenon that happens in the body that's chemically described in this book that I just think it makes so much sense. People beat themselves up like this beautiful note that this person wrote you so thoughtfully. You know, this is something that she's been struggling with. And if you multiply her by 10 million people, that's basically more than that. I don't know how many people live in the United States. I mean, a lot. Everyone's feeling this way. And it's like, how can I stop craving sugar? Well, start feeding yourself nourishing, whole, healthy foods that really feed you. And you will find that your cravings go away. But that's just not something that's advertised on TV. That's not what most of the diet books say. They tell you you should white knuckle the resistance willpower strategy, right? Of like, I just am not going to eat that thing. And then you're obsessed with it all day long. Your brain keeps telling you to eat more and eat more and eat more sugar because that's what it thinks is going to bring your blood sugar back up. But if you eat healthy whole foods like this with proteins and fats, you're going to find you don't have those cravings and then you don't have to feel like a crazy person. Yes. All right. We got a question. What happened to your food show? Oh, I do other things than talk about, you know, the delight of candy, my friend. Um, I think it's. I think this is like some of the most important stuff I talk about because you know how to how to feed yourself to have a great life. That's the core of what we're doing here. Uh, I hate the conspicuous consumption part of restaurant criticism. We're like, la-di-da, I'm so fancy. I ate some, you know, foie gras in a place that's hard to get into. I hate that. I know a lot of people think that I like that because I get to do that stuff. And, you know, it's fine. It's nice. But that's not what's important. What's important is that everybody, like, gets fed and has a good life and feels good about themselves and their body and is able to meet their goals. And food is all of that. You cannot... Do all the things you want. Be the parent you want. Be the spouse you want. Be the athlete you want or the lawyer you want if you're not eating well. Okay. So we're going to get – we're going to have to say goodbye to Pilar. We have other things we got to do this hour though. I would talk to her for five more years on this topic. I, this is so important. Everybody – Go to thehealthydeviant.com, see Pilar at the U of M Center, Center for Spirituality and Healing on Thursday the 28th. It's an early thing, 4 to 5.30. I'm going to try to make it. I'm going to rush out of Chad's show that day and get over there. Um, and we will – we were going to keep talking about this forever because we cannot continue to lead unhealthy lives. It's not good for any of us. And you know I care about you. I want you to, to have a good year and meet all your goals and do everything. Pilar, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you so much for having me on, Dara. It's always a pleasure. All right. We're going to come back. We're going to talk a little St. Patrick's Day. We're going to talk about seed starting, all the good stuff. Uh, you got questions? 81807. All right. So I got a question about that doctor book we were talking about, Dr. David Ludwig. His first book was called Always Hungry. It's really simple understanding of how your body is a biochemical 
you know, construct that of hormones and not this crazy calories in, calories out thing that people are always talking about. It's just nonsense. We are not coal furnaces. We do not burn Coca-Cola the same way we burn hard-boiled eggs. And if you don't believe me, I want you to sit down and try to eat 1,000 calories of hard-boiled eggs and then 1,000 calories of, di- of Coke, and you tell me that your body treats them the same. Can't do it. All right, Dr. David Ludwig. I got a great tip about seed starting. Oh, if you have, uh, you can use Keebler sugar cones with a flat bottom with a little soil. They're cheaper, and the best green source is you can put the cones out in the garden. My daughter would love this so much. I am so excited about this. I am going to buy some sugar cones. Thank you. This is this is just a top idea. <laughs> All right, I got a text. I'm making homemade spaghetti sauce today. I froze the tomatoes from last fall. My, our son got married. I didn't have time to get it done then, so I'm getting it done today. Oh, I love it. How great is that? You did all this hard work in the fall, and now you get to homemade tomato sauce from the garden in March when you need it most. <laughs> I got to I gotta attack someone's having cigars, scotch, and a porterhouse. Oh, my. You know what? I, 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 I respect that message. That is a good, good time. Um, I've got to... Tax great segments this morning, and I will share that since retiring at 66, I am living the healthy life. Plenty of exercise, sleep, and eating healthy. You know what? That is that is a common that is a common thing. You know, I I am out at the fancy restaurants, and I used to when I was in my 20s have this joke about the uh, Pilates empty nesters. I was like, it's just 20 somethings in this space, and then these you know, 50 and 60-something women who look like a million bucks. And it's true. They have time to go to Pilates. They have time to (laughs) do all that good stuff. Oh, I forgot to mention the recipes. All the recipes are up at WCCORadio.com. I have dinner salads because I thought, you know what? We don't talk enough about the fact that you can feed yourself like abundantly and just with just awesome things. And it's also healthy. So those are all up. You should go to WCCORadio.com. Check them out. Got a farmer salad. That's my favorite Greek salad. All kinds of good stuff. So that's up there. All right. So what are we doing next week? Well, we'll see if she comes. But uh, I've got on the schedule Sophina Ong, who's the head chef from Lucky Cricket. Talk about what it's like to helm such a big and kind of in the eye of the storm restaurant. What it's like to move here from the Bay Area. But till then, I hope you have a really happy St. Patrick's Day. Kind of surprised all y'all weren't making Irish soda bread all day, but maybe you're going to get around to it. Um, I, in celebration, found an Irish toast to wrap up the show with. So may your home always be too small to hold all your friends and your table surrounded by plenty of them. And I will meet you here next week on Off the Menu. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law.